So here's an interesting quote from Anonymous, which I think is kind of spot on. They're not always crazy. I haven't gotten a read on them yet, what I think. But the Constitution is a limitation on the government, not on the private individual. It does not prescribe the conduct of private individuals, only the conduct of the government. It is not a charter for government power, but a charter of the citizens' protection against the government. So I think that's pretty cool um, because it kind of puts into perspective what we should all be thinking as Americans. And, you know, I know a lot of times I get off topic and I, I start rambling on and stuff, and that's eh, just the way I am. It's my therapy. When you really think about it, what, ha you know, how, how did we get here? How did, how did we get a government so bloated and full of themselves that they now presume to have the authority to tell us how to live our lives, how to farm our soil, how to ranch our fields and pastures? When did this happen? Because even in that quote by Anonymous, it's true. And Obama said that the Constitution was a charter of negative liberties for the government. Now, that's a nice way of kind of wordsmithing a little bit because really the Constitution is a document or a charter that the states created in order to establish a federal form of government to manage things. But their main purpose, the goal, the whole purpose we have a federal government is to protect our rights. So when the, when the founders were writing the Bill of Rights, they had enumerated some of our rights. And even some of the other founders and those that worked with the ratification process and all that said, we shouldn't enumerate these, these rights because the citizen has all the rights. What we're doing here is putting into place a compact or a charter of authority that we're granting to the federal government. So it was really in the ratification once they wrote the Constitution, which was a document, it created a thing, and the thing was a federal government that had limited authority. And part of the authority that was granted to it was to protect our rights. Now, the people that wrote the the Bill of Rights said, these are the rights that we think are the top priority for the government to protect. And, and I think that, that when Obama said it was a charter of negative liberties, um, no, not really, because it wasn't a charter of negatives. It was a charter of positives that said, here's what you can do Here's your authority to do what we've told you to do, which is to protect the rights of the people, to protect their life, their liberty, their happiness. This is all your job description, these things. And then the Constitution was an outline of how it would operate, just like the uh, letters of incorporation. This is how the corporation will be set up. This is how it will be governed. This is what it will do. This is its main purpose.
purpose. And it lays out very clearly what their job is when they're there acting on our behalf. The president's job was to go out and create treaties and deal with the foreign affairs and stuff externally outside of the, the borders of the United States. He goes and talks to people, keeps them from going to war with us or decides to tell Congress, hey, we need to go to war with them because they're doing this and that. They're whatever it is, just like, uh, you know, with the the pirates that created, you know, the Marines, you know, to go to the shores of Tripoli and take out the piracy because it's affecting our trade abroad, over there. <clears throat> so then Congress's job was kind of the same tier of authority, I guess, or same level of authority as the president with internal matters, things within the borders. So the president is outside the borders. The Congress, House of Representatives, was inside. And then each representative acted within his state, within the borders of his state. And then they would appoint senators to go outside, kind of like a president does, goes outside over to Washington and represents the state to the, to the, to the people, the president, the, the guy that's listening. The Supreme Court was to just rule on laws that had been written that were unconstitutional. Did they follow the charter of the Constitution? Yes or no. And then the court would have an opinion on it. They didn't rule. They just had an opinion. They go, after us wise people here, we've looked at it and we think that that law does not protect the rights of the citizen. It's actually repugnant to that. It's meaning the complete opposite of protecting the rights of the people. Those, that was the three branches of government. That was the charter. And, and then there's all the sections and the subsections of how each branch was to operate. And it's very limited to them. It's like, you can do this, but you can't do that. I hire a landscaper. He can mow the grass. He can trim my trees. He can trim the bushes. He can fertilize. He can't paint my house. He can't put in a new roof. He can't suggest or demand that I put up a fence or take down a fence. His job is those things outlined. That's it. It's a contract. Just like uh, someone contracts to do work in your house. It's laid out. What's the scope of the work? What's the deadline? What's the cost? What's the time frame? Now, if you hire somebody to put an air conditioner on your house and he decides to show up with a, a truckload of fertilizer, he goes, well, you know, I was looking at your grass. It looks pretty bad. I think you should fertilize that. Well, hey, uh, get up on the roof, put the air conditioner on, and I will take this up with my landscaper and see what he thinks. But while you're driving home, offload that manure somewhere else. So it was very laid out. It's contract law. The fundamental thing in America is contract law. So we had a contract. Within that contract, it created a thing. The thing, being the government, had rules that it had to follow 
to maintain its authority to act on our behalf. That's it. So when we get a government now that just runs roughshod over us and tells us, you can't do this, you can't do that, then they are outside their scope of the contract. They're, they're in breach of contract law, basically. So then you get pissed off, take it to court. It ends up in the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court says, in our opinion, you cannot tell this individual he can't do that. It is repugnant. It is not your job description. You have no authority granted to you to tell this person what he can and cannot do on his property, within his state, anything. That's, that's how all three branches worked. And one was a check on the other, kind of, sort of. Because on a state level, we have a constitution also, which says it will follow the supreme law of the land, which is the United States Constitution. So basically, in a sense, when a state was created, it set up a constitution, courts, all the things that are within the federal government are now in the state. So it's like a mini mirrored image of the federal government. And then it's ratified. The state becomes a state. The federal government says, here's your yard. It draws a border around the state and says, that's your land. You own that land. We, the people, bought that land during this purchase or that purchase years ago with money we borrowed from France or Spain or England to buy this piece of property. And it's going to be paid for by you, the American people. So hence, it belongs to all of you. We have cut this little section out, and now that has been allocated to your state. It is your land. You own it. We get to have a percentage to only do certain things. We can only build forts, ports, armories, you know, a, a court maybe in a post office. And that was about it. Less than two or three percent of a state is required for that, unless they're going to build a big military base, which is fine because that's part of the fort, ports, and armories. So that was it. Everything else. So now if the federal government comes to a state and says, we want to turn this half of your state into a national park, then the state should go, no, this is our land. You see, it's ours. We own it. If, if you take half of it, we can't have logging rights. We can't have mining rights. We can't do anything to make money for the state. So therefore, you can't have it. Sorry, go pound sand. So the federal government says, well, we're, we're imposing this as a federal park, and that's that, and you pound sand. Then it goes to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court looks at the two and says, the federal government has no constitutional authority to seize your land for a park. It's numerated in the Constitution that they can only use this land for these things in the story. It's repugnant. Go away. That's our opinion. And then, then the, the federal court has basically told the federal government, you can't do that. Now, because of the Constitution, it's not like they can say, well, I disagree, like you or I could in court, where there's settlements and arguments and stipulated agreements. 
the federal government must uphold what the Supreme Court has said it would has said to do because it's also a product of the thing that was created, which is the Constitution. And the Constitution created these three branches for a reason, and they have to stay in their sandbox. They have to follow the rules. And the state can sit there and go, see, take your stupid park and get the hell out of here. Now, what if the, the, the Park Service decides we don't care what the Supreme Court ruled or what their opinion was? Then the sheriffs in that county would arrest the park rangers. End of story. Because that's how it works, you see. So this is how it became big. By not understanding the limited power and authority that we gave the federal government, which is very far and few between as far as authorities and powers that they have over we, the people. Now, we, the people, have all the power and authority over the federal government. So that's what that quote is saying. It cannot tell you how to live your life, but we sure as hell can tell them how they run the government because it was created by us, we, the people. So how do you how do you change it? How do you how do you get it fixed? You know, it's like oh my god, everything's all screwed up. Well, you know, states have laws and stuff like that. We have the right to bear arms, and the state says, well, we don't like guns; it scares us, and we don't want you to have a gun. Well, now see, they've created a law that interferes with your constitutional right. They are in violation of the contract with the people of the state and with the people of the United States and the federal government, which we, the people, created. So they would have to follow that because they said they would within their own constitutional. So that law is now repugnant to the state constitution and also to the federal constitution or the U.S. constitution. So then you would go to court and the Supreme Court once again would rule just like in the Heller decision that, you know, the state's got this wrong, knock it off. So they'd have to follow that which they did in New York or Washington, wherever the Heller decision, but they still threw so many stumbling blocks in the way that you would have to fight a hundred, if not a thousand more battles, because that's what governments do when they get bloated and overweight and start falling over. So they, they've still created smaller laws that cause problems. And then you would, you would need a, a legal team to fight them all. And they know that, so they just continue to pour on the garbage. So that's you know that's kind of how we became so bloated by all of these violations of their authority, and by them not paying attention. Well, why 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 Mark? Why don't they pay attention? Well, look at the people we elect, and how it's done. I've railed against the Seventeenth Amendment for a long time, because the Seventeenth Amendment took away the right of my representative, your representative, the people we elected on a local level to choose the senators. And now it's popular vote. And then the senator is elected for six years, which is kind of silly because most of us don't remember what we had for dinner last night. So it threw a wrench into the, the workings of the, the smooth workings of the Constitution. And because of lack of maintenance, it's now running bad. So we we allow these things to mess up the works and the ointment. 
And now, so we have the 17th Amendment. It used to be, I elect my neighbor as my representative. Representatives were in small districts and, and, and they didn't overlap demographic areas. You know, it was a farming community. Then you wanted your representative to represent your farming community. You didn't want an equal share of people from the big city that have no freaking clue about farming. It just didn't make sense. Well, if we continued to follow that path, the correct path, we would have, you know, thousands of representatives, which would mean we would have to have quite a few Washington DCs, I guess, throughout the country. And, and it would be more closely monitored within your local area. But I would far rather just elect my representative, have him go represent our position for our community at the state level, and then the state all get together and go, okay, Bob and Sue, you're our senators, go to Washington. This is what we want you to say to the federal government. And this is our argument. And this is why we will or will not follow your federal guidelines or laws regarding this subject. And then write some laws, do whatever it is you do. And if you get there and you start blathering on about your opinion, you will be recalled and you can come home. And before you even get here, we'll have another senator there doing what we told them to do because we are doing what our constituents told us to do. Now, if my representative starts blathering on about what he thinks, which is diametrically opposed to everything the community and the, the district thinks, then you either recall him on a local level, because it's that's a local level, or you just elect somebody new next time. Don't make that mistake again. So it forced the people on a local level to remain active on a local level, not on a national or a state level. Just all I cared about was my five, 10,000 people in my district and who won the high school football playoff. See, that's how easy it is to be local. You know that guy, his kid was all-star. I got to go watch the game. See, it's not like, oh, I, I think I know that guy in Washington, D.C. Oh, he's got a kid. Oh, his kid plays football? Oh, hope they do good. See, because it was local. I could drive down to the park and watch the local fireworks and listen to my local representative talk about my local issues. Didn't cost millions of dollars to run for Congress. It was just a thing. It was just like you walked around the neighborhood and talked to the five, 10,000 people you knew, and then they elected you or they didn't because you're a dumbass. Either way, that's how simple it was. You never cared about the senator or the president. You just cared about Bob or Sue being your representative and picking a good senator once in a while to represent your state and your district at a, at a national level. You didn't pick a president because the president was picked by the electoral college, which was picked, the electors were picked by guess who? Bob and Sue. So you were represented like a crazy man. I mean, all you had to do is know Bob and know Sue and, and know their character. Of course, they're going to pick a good senator because if they pick a jackass, 
what's going to happen? They're going to come home, and at the local football game, they're going to be booed. They're going to lose the election next time. And that's just the way it is. You know, Sue, you did a good job. Bob's a dick. Yeah, we got to get rid of him. Okay, vote him out of office, impeach him, recall him. Whatever you had legal means to do, do it. So that's how it worked. How does it work now? Well, now we elect a senator for six years. He goes to Washington or she goes to Washington and tells us what they think. I don't care what my elected officials think. I didn't elect them for their damn opinion. I elected them to go and tell the feds my opinion and your opinion and everyone else's in their district's opinion. Nobody gives a shit about his opinion or her opinion. That's not why you're there. Well, I guess it is now because they live there. They don't even come home. They don't even know what district they live in half the time. So this is what happened. And it started with FDR, and now it's a, it's a mess. See, 150, 100, 200 years ago, you didn't elect a president. You didn't elect a senator. In fact, the only time you had to go vote was every two years for your friend, Bob, or Sue, or Jane, or Frank. That was it. How involved did you have to be? Well, you just had to talk to Bob or Sue at the football game, at church, at the quickie mart, wherever you ran into them because it was a smaller district. You go, hey, what's going on in Washington? Well, you know, they're going to try to do this and that. It's like, no, we can't have that. I know, right? You know, our, our community would, would die if they imposed that on us. Like, well, but they're just the federal government. We as a state don't have to follow that. No, we don't. But we got a lot of people up north that don't know shit about farming that think we should. It's like, well, we got to put an end to this. Yeah, well, that's what I've been fighting for. It's like, good job, buddy. Let me buy your Pepsi. Talk to you later. Have a good day. That was it. That was, that was it. That's fucking it. Now, what do we got? We got blathering idiots on both sides of the aisle every six years telling us everything we want to hear. And they've lied so much and done so little that they can talk out of both sides of their ass at the same time and get these people to vote for them, turn right around and get the other side of the aisle to vote for them too. And, and that, that's, that's it. That's how, how it got messed up. So we allowed it to slip. See, that's the Overton window. Like I said, you know, now uh, 150 years ago, we're looking at the Constitution, and I, I just got done doing my duty two years and voted for my representative. I liked Mary. Bob was getting a little lazy, so I voted for Mary. That's it. I look out my Overton window, and I go, things are going good. I have freedom. I have liberty. I'm not being burdened with overtaxation. Everything, this, this, this is cool. And then somebody takes your window and slides it all the way to the right or left, whatever. And you're looking at what we have today, bloated government, messed up bureaucracy, red tape coming out of the butt of those asshats in Washington, regulation after regulation after regulation, limited freedom, gun control, abortion. And you look at that 200 years ago because you're looking out your Overton winter and you're like, holy shit, no, I don't ever want to live in a world like that. What the hell? Who would ever do that to such a great thing? And so 
You slide the window back, but somehow you just don't go right back to where it was. So they go, well, we, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna start electing senators because there's a little bit of gridlock in Washington when when states recall their senators because they don't like their senator. Oh, because the people we elected don't like them, so therefore we don't like them. So yeah, I guess we don't like them. So you go, okay, well, you know, let me see. Uh, I can't remember what I was looking at before, but you know, uh, you know, electing a senator might not be a bad idea. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's not too bad. And now it's shut right there. Boom, there it is. Now you go from where it even started then, which was corrupt and mindless bullshit. You move it over back to where we are now, and you're looking at it, and you're like, holy shit, this is a freaking disaster. What the hell? That chick is talking about socialism on the TV. I can't believe nobody's tardin' better. They go, up. let's move the window back a little bit more. Boom. Now where are we? Well, instead of being 200 years looking at a pure constitutional republic, we're looking at 80 years back. What FDR and and Wilson gave us, and they're like, oh, you know, that's you know, that's not as bad as, you know, two hundred years from now or seventy years from now. So yeah, okay, that that don't look bad. And then they move it over to fifty years ago, and we're like, wow, what, is, what the heck is that? So as you see, if you were to go back in time, and view out the Overton window, looking at today's view, you would go batshit crazy. And then they would move it back. But you can't remember where you were looking. So they've, they've moved it incrementally, moved it, moved it, moved it. But regardless of where the window is today, it is not where it's supposed to be. And the only way you can get your head around that is to put yourself in a mental time machine where you go back 200 years ago and you look at what the American Constitution the great experiment, the light on the hill really was. And you go, wow, that's beautiful. I don't, I don't see any problems. In fact, if we were doing it that way, we wouldn't have all these issues we, you know, yell at each other about on Facebook, social media. Wow. So you have to do that and go, we have really went a long ways from where we were to where we are. And, and I, for one, don't like the view out of this new window that we call today's you know, political climate. So you can see that the Constitution has been really broken. It can be fixed and restored by just going back. But unfortunately, it's really hard to do that because there's a lot more people now. And, and with all of this mass communication, it seems like it's harder to get people to agree on things because over this time frame from when we were looking out that beautiful Overton window to today's view, things have changed. They've divided us and divided us and divided us. And that's what I talked about. You know, you take a, an oak log that would burn for days in a, in a fire, you know, fireplace or something like that. They chop it in half, chop the two halves in quarters, eight, sixteenths, thirty seconds, sixty-four thousandths, and then it burns up real quick. You, you know, they've done that on purpose. So now you don't have just two or three or four sane opinions. You have thousands of divided opinions. 
And those opinions are all based on the fact, it's like, well, I don't like him anyway. He's one of those. One of what? I don't know. But they warn me about those people. So you, you, you can't get a cohesive direction in which we should go. It literally is like herding a bunch of cats in one direction. It's just not going to happen. You know, so they've, they've taken one cat or two that might have followed you to thousands of cats that are running in all directions. And this was all done by design to divide us. And united we stand, divided we fall. And we seem to stop thinking about that. And we go, yeah, we're the United States. We're 50 United States. Can't divide us. We will not fall. But they have. They divided each state, each precinct, each everything. And then the individuals, they've turned against each other. Oh, you're Catholic. I'm Jew. Let's fight. Let's hate each other. You know, let's be anti-Semitic. Let's be Islamophobic. Let's hate blacks. Let's hate Asians. Let's hate whites. Why? I don't know, but I hate them. Do you have any reason why you should hate them? No. I just do, because for years they've been doing it. So my father probably hated him. My grandfather probably hated him. So why shouldn't I? I don't know. You were given a brain. Yeah, but, you know, I was raised to, to, to not like meat. I was raised to be a vegan. I was raised to be a Catholic. I was raised to hate this religion and that religion. Well, you think you could change it? I mean, you know, you do have a brain. No, I don't think so. I'm busy. I have a job. I'm taxed to death. I barely have any time to even sit down and play with my kids once a month because I'm taxed to death. So, no, I'm not going to. So, to think that we can change it is really a fool's errand to think that. So, I want to talk a little bit about maybe how we could at least prepare for the change that will not come. Okay, so where do we go from here? I mean, obviously, things are a mess, and, and we understand that they've become a mess. We've allowed not us, this generation, or last generation, or the last generation. It's just we as a society over the generations have allowed this to to deteriorate <clears throat> and we weren't paying attention and you know people always talk about the greatest generation that fought world war one and world war two and and a lot of it started even before them but they came home from war and they were happy to be alive and these safety nets and these big things like social security and stuff started slipping under the radar of that generation because they were just glad to be alive. They had a sense of patriotism and and everything. And then, and so they were just happy and they, they believed in America. And we thought, yeah, we can do this also. We defeated Nazi Germany and communism and socialism. So, you know, of course we can we can combat you know starvation you know we can take on social security for people that need to retire we can 
we can provide that. We're 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 America. I mean, you you saw it in, you know, the the Apollo and and you know Kennedy saying we're going to go to the moon. Everyone's like, well, yuck, great idea. Of course we can go to the moon. Like, what's that mean? I don't know, but we can do it. So our our patriotism and our and our upbeat optimism help bring us to the point we are now because nobody wanted to be a, a downer, you know, basically and go, uh, that's really great. But us being from the greatest generation, we just got back from war and, uh, um, and I thought we were fighting, you know, Nazis and, and, and socialism, which is what the Nazis were, was the National Socialist Party. So it's like we fought that because, you know, there was too much government control. And, and you know, it, it sounded good on paper, but um, no, thank you. Uh, we can't afford this. We're, we're, we don't want to, you know, tax the hell out of the American people. You know, taxes and income tax was temporary when, you know, when we started this world war and stuff, because we needed some damn money. But, you know, when when's this going to sunset? When's this going to end? You know, well, I, I don't know. We, we need to re we pay off all the debts we occurred going to war. It's like, okay, well, why don't we give it, you know, 10 years and then you better have it paid off by then because no, no income tax. No, no, thank you. So, Nobody wanted to be that downer person. And you can see it even in today. I mean, I get a lot of heat for saying we don't need a, a standing army. It's expensive. It costs too much money. It, it's a, a violation of the Constitution on so many levels. And there's a different way to do it to where we would still be protected. We would still have military equipment and people trained in the military, but we wouldn't have such a big standing army. And, and, and when you say that, people are like, what are you crazy, Mark? We have real enemies nowadays. Oh, as if they didn't have real enemies, you know, a thousand years ago. I mean, somebody that wants to lop your head off is just as real of an enemy as somebody that wants to shoot you. I'm sorry. So you 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 become the the downer, the not the life of the party kind of person by bringing up these subjects, and it just goes so against the the status quo nowadays. That people are like, well, I don't, I don't think that would work. You know, it's just that's just silly, Mark. I mean, why would you suggest that? You know, we need a standing army. Militias can't do it. Why not? Well, look at what happened in Ruby Ridge. Oh, well, yeah. What, what happened there? The government killed somebody. Well, look at Waco. Those people had, you know, a compound. Okay, let's take a look at that. They had a compound. They were religious and they owned guns. Uh, I see no constitutional violation there whatsoever. Well, the FBI wanted to talk to them, and they wouldn't let them in. Oh, okay, so they were exercising their fifth and sixth and seventh and whatever else amendment, their right to, to privacy and private property and to not just have people show up and go, hey, I want to talk to you. Oh, good for you. You know, so where was the violation there? Well. You know, they wouldn't, the government wouldn't have done that if there wasn't a good reason for it. Oh, so let's let's slip back five or six more steps. And if you look at all of the, the issues, 
I mean, just looking at Ruby Ridge, Waco, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing, 9-11, the, the, the World Trade Center bombing, all of the things, every little, every little one of those that were major, don't get me wrong, the coal bombing, people died. Every one of those instances chipped away at a freedom. Well, we need to do this. Well, why do we need to do that? Well, because we got ships at sea and people are just ramming them with tugs and blowing up the side and killing people. It's like, okay, so why do we have ships at sea? Well, we got to protect that port. Okay, once again, why do we have to do that? You know, so why are we spread all over the world dicking with people? And then when, when, the, when the people, which is what we would do in America, I mean, if, if some other country like China had ships or Russia had ships all around our ports dicking with us, eventually we're going to fight back. And, and then they're going to feel justified in killing American citizens because we, we ran a tugboat into their ship. Um, okay, well, if you look at it that way, Mark, well, why are we there? I don't know. See, so you're a downer once again when you talk about these things. But each one of these things have chipped and eroded and worn down a part of the Constitution here, a part of it there, a little liberty here, a little freedom there. Your right to privacy is gone. We all know that. You know, trust me, the NSA has a better recording of my podcast than I probably do. So why do we have that? Well, you know, 9-11, you know, if we'd have been paying attention, this wouldn't have happened. You know, 9-11 would not have happened if the NSA had been, you know, monitoring all this through their, you know, fishing for metadata and all that. It's like, oh, really? Because I remember... FBI agents in Phoenix, Arizona, saying, hey, there's a bunch of Muslims studying to fly at Avery Riddle or one of the you know schools here in, in Arizona, and, and they're not that concerned about learning to fly, and they are here on, you know, basically like an illegal visa because they've just overstayed here, and, um, you know, I, we see a threat because of some of the chatter, and the FBI couldn't talk to the CIA, who couldn't talk to the military, who couldn't talk to the president, who couldn't talk to the police, who couldn't talk. So it's like, oh, so now that we have NSA, that would have stopped it because we had the information. Did we have to create another big, huge branch of government when they could have just torn down that wall they talked about to where it kept the FBI from talking to uh, the other agencies involved? No, that would have been a great fix. Hey, what happened? Well, we, we had a breach and 9-11 happened. What happened? What was the cause of it? Well, Bob over here, he knew exactly what was going on. He told, you know, Mary over there, but then they couldn't take it up the ladder because there's this wall here. It's like, oh my God, well, why don't we take that fucking wall down? And then they could have talked. Oh, well, that, that problem solved. Well, a politician is not going to do the easy thing. Because anytime you, you fix a problem, then there's no more funding for the problem. So some politicians like, yeah, well, you know what? That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll take down the wall so they can communicate. But what we really need is a big, massive organization and 
and a data center that sucks up all the water from the planet to keep all their computers and servers cool. Yeah, that's what we need. Got it. Well, how much is that going to cost? Oh, it'll cost hundreds of billions over the next 10, 20 years. It's like, great. Can my, uh, can my cousin uh, Frank uh, get a job there? Sure. If you sign this bill, I'll hire your whole damn family. Okay. Done. Done and done. So our involvement over the world, meddling in other affairs, which we were warned against by the founders in the Constitution, we wouldn't have lost our, our basic right to privacy. So that's just one, one thing. Let's get strip searched at airports by minimum wage Nazis dressed up as TSA agents. Great idea. How much is that gonna cost? Oh, that's gonna be billions. We need all new uniforms and training and just, just for that. It's like, oh, great. I have another cousin who's a loser. Can you get him a job? It's like, yeah. What size suit does he wear? Great. You sign this bill and he's got a job. Oh, there's another one. All caused from 9-11 and all caused by us dicking with other people all around the world. And, and don't think I'm not a patriot because if you do, you're wrong. But look at it this way. Let's say on 9-11, China would have stepped in and said, we're going to rebuild your World Trade Centers. We feel so bad for you. And we're going to help you, just like we do when we go over to Venezuela or all these shithole places and, you know, rob them of all their natural resources. So China comes here to help us because we're really having a problem economically. Let's say there's some kind of cyber attack and, and all our banking and our Internet goes down and our infrastructure starts to collapse and China steps in and goes, we're going to help you. You know, at that point, we're going to go, yeah, yeah, a little help would be great, man, you know, uh, uh, we need some kind of temporary way to get food here and, and get it passed out to the masses. And you got billions of people. So shit, you guys could hand deliver this crap. It's like, we'll help you. Okay, cool. Thanks. And then, you know, five years later, they're still telling us how to live our lives and telling us we need to eat rice instead of wheat or whatever, you know. Now we're starting to go, well, uh, you know, uh, it's nice that you showed up to help, but, uh, could you get the fuck out of here now? No, no, we're going to stay for 10, 15 more years because you haven't shown us in the world that you're capable of coming back the way you were. It's like, well, it's really none of your business. Um, would you as a patriot maybe react in a harsh way? I'm sure you would. Don't even lie to me. Let's say I come over to your house because you and your wife are fighting and we're neighbors. And I'm like, man. What's going on, Sam? Well, you know, that bitch, she just pisses me off. Yeah, well, you guys aren't, you know, going to blows, are you? It's like, no, no, we're just yelling and screaming and the kids are freaking out. But it, it, yeah, it's just a marital fight. It's like, well, come on, let's, let's go to the bar, Sam. I'll buy you a drink and calm down. Ah, thanks, man. So you have a couple of drinks. Sam's all calm. It's, you, you, your wife calls his wife. She's okay. The kids are asleep. Everything. Okay, let's go home. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you uh, or walking me back from, you know, jumping off the cliff. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help. What room am I going to sleep in? What do you mean? I said, well, you know, you guys were fighting. I, I think it would be better if I stayed in the guest room 
just for a couple of nights. Make sure you guys don't reignite this feud. Ah, you know what? You know, I, I am kind of an asshole. Okay, yeah, here's the guest room. And then you get up in the morning and start telling them what to eat. You know, what shows to watch on TV. I think pretty soon Sam's going to ask you to leave. Yeah. So it's it's good to help. When do you leave? We don't leave. See, we're everywhere. And people don't understand that. We would be as pissed at them for doing the exact same thing we are doing overseas. We send in economic jackals and economic hitmen to get these poor countries that have great resources, but not the infrastructure to buy into these giant government loans that build all this infrastructure to get the sugar out of the ground or whatever the hell it is. And then they can't pay them back. So now the people are forced to work in these factories to make money, to pay it back in their taxes and all that. And we bleed them dry like the freaking Borg. Is it the Borg or the Borg? Star Trek. Somebody out there is yelling at this speaker right now. You dumbass. It's the Borg. Okay. It just hit me too. So we work them and milk them and bleed them. Even countries we're not at war with. We go over to, to free Iraq. According to most people, we're there for the oil. No, we were just there because he said himself with his own out loud voice, Saddam Hussein said, I have weapons of mass destruction and chemical warfare, and I'm going to use it on the United States. And he had said that so many times, and then he wasn't letting the inspectors in. He was playing head games. Eventually, we said, hey, we got a great excuse in there to just go blow some shit up and hang you. Yeah, try it. And we did. So we broke up the fight. The neighbors are no longer fighting. And yet there we are in the guest room, still hanging out, telling them what to eat for dinner and what news to watch. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 20 years, 120 years. God, you name it. We're not leaving. Got it? I mean, Japan surrendered unconditionally after they attacked us. We're still there. Now, granted, part of their un unconditional surrender was we would protect them because they could no longer have a military. You know, they had shown us that they couldn't be trusted. So we kind of need to be there. But why are we everywhere else? You know, the Middle East doesn't give a shit about what we think about their form of government or the way they live. And the only reason we care that they're not killing each other is because we have a few allies in the area and there's a shit ton of oil that we buy from Saudi Arabia because we worked out the OPEC deal years and years and years and years ago before you and I even knew what the hell oil was for. So we have to protect Saudi Arabia. That's why on 9-11, when 19 of the 19 hijackers were funded by and came over from Saudi Arabia, we didn't go blow up Saudi Arabia, did we? No, we went to... Ah, Iraq. Let's go to Iraq. That guy's crazy. Okay. Well, how are we going to sell it? Weapons of mass destruction. Oh, okay. So you see, our intervention, our lack of paying attention, our fear of being the downer at the party, the not the happy-go-lucky guy, hey, let's just have another beer. Let's do a drinking game, has led us to what we face today. 
And, and worse than that, what your children will face tomorrow with a constitutional republic turned democracy that has erased 60% of the Constitution. We've allowed it to happen. We continue to allow it to happen. And if we don't become educated, it will continue to go down the toilet until we are a socialist nation. We will buy into it hook, line, and sinker because 47% of Americans surveyed now believe socialism is a viable option. Why? Because capitalists, big business have screwed it up. Our politicians didn't know how to defend capitalism the right way. They allowed it to become a mess and they got in bed with big business. So now it's not even capitalism. It's bastardized government capitalism where they pick winners and losers, big pharma, big agra, big everything, the big unions, everything because the government is sleeping with all these big corporations and big corporations like Google and Twitter and Facebook and all that have found that if they tow the party line from this side of the aisle, they'll get more, I don't know, candy during Halloween, whatever. So they went on that side. So this is not capitalism. Capitalism is when you come into my retail store and you go, I really like that piece of carpet. And I go, well, it, it costs this much. Oh, why is it so much? Well, it's made out of this. It has this warranty. It's not stain resistant, but practically stain proof. And then there's the padding and that. And then my guys will come out and they're all licensed and bonded and insured. And so this is how it's, how much it's going to cost. And you're like, well, can we work a deal? It's like, oh, well, you know, I can do this and that. And you know what? This padding here that costs a little less, just as good, just as awesome. And that'll save you some money. This carpet, the yarn it's made out of is the same as this carpet. You can hardly feel the difference, but there's a little less of it, but it's quite a bit less. You can't tell by looking at it, walking on it, or smelling it. It's like, that'll save you a couple thousand dollars. It's like, I like that. We shake hands and we're both got what we wanted. The consumer had a need. I, the, the seller, capitalist, whatever you want to call me, met that need and we shook hands and it's an even exchange. We're both happy with what we got. That's capitalism. That's how it works. It's not economics. It's not accounting. It's not big government. It's not bureaucracy. It's not winners and losers. It's you and me shaking hands and agreeing that my cattle that I'm going to give you is worth your whatever you're going to give me. And whether it balances out on a balance sheet is irrelevant. We discussed it. You said, you know what? That's more than fair. We shook hands and the deal is done. So we've allowed all of these things from the news to lie to big business to get in bed with the government. We've allowed these um, lobbyists to do things We've allowed all these things for a hundred or more years. And the window just keeps turning and moving and turning and moving to where at one time in our lives, we were looking true north at a representative republic and America 
with a constitutional government to where we're now facing straight south 180 degrees off course and looking at a couple elections away from socialism. And it can all be stopped by electing better people, being involved and getting those better people to start removing these things in the Constitution, getting rid of corrupt judges, impeaching the guys and the gals in the Supreme Court that are basically too damn old to even think, disbarring crooked judges in all the circuit courts, getting your elected officials to remove federal judges that are just flat out corrupt, not because they're Democrat or because they're Republican, but because the laws that they are allowing to go forward are repugnant to the constitution of the state and the federal government. Just start by stop watching the news on a station that lies. There's options. There's the internet. You don't have to watch cable news anymore. If you don't like a product and everybody hates the product and everyone stopped buying the product, capitalism in its purest form, that company will go broke and go away. That's how it works. So we continue to perpetrate the madness. You know, Fox News will bitch constantly about the Democrats and yet will constantly talk about what the Democrats have said. They will quote MSNBC, CBS, NBC. Everybody is feeding on everybody. And that, that inertia, that motion, the emotion that creates it keeps growing. So any bad press you give the other media company just help their ratings and it goes on and on and on. When are we going to fucking wake up? Because, you know, I've been around the block for a long time. I'm 65. I can relate to all of this. I studied it in high school. I've never seen it this close to socialism and collapse and anarchy. Never in my life. And I'm a reasonable guy. I could pretty much write off all the insanity that comes my way. This is getting dangerous, very dangerous. So it's out there. The false information and the narrative is out there and it's being shoved down our throat day after day. You don't believe me? Look at, look at some of the this, this stuff they talk about with the, you know, health issues, yet they know. Science has known for years how to fix these things. Do they? No but they continue to shove it down our throat. We know better, but we can't do anything about it because government is in bed with big pharma and big business. So we need to, we need to level up. We need to think. We need to stop following and start leading. I'd say and run for office, but get involved. Help people that are good people that are running for office. Support them. Anybody that says they want to abolish the 17th Amendment, you send them money and get them elected. The other issues don't matter. Term limits don't matter. It'll never happen, and it don't matter. You're not going to end the Fed. Won't happen. So pick a battle. The 17th Amendment cuts the legs off of 90% of the problems we have if we could just abolish it. 
get back to our representatives. Stop electing senators. Stop electing presidents. Elect Bob, your neighbor, for your representative. Redraw the gerrymandered districting lines back to local communities. Get 5,000 representatives, not 500. Make it happen. Get some freedom. So my next show, I'll read one of those quotes that say um, something awesome about how we can save the republic, and then we will tear that bullshit apart too. Because if you're not prepared, the day will come and you won't be ready. And it's coming sooner than later. And it doesn't have to be the end of the world, but the end of your world might be right around the corner with a job layoff, a crash, or a hiccup in the economy. It doesn't have to crash. Just the banking industry needs to have a hiccup. And your world could come crashing down. My world could come crashing down. My neighbors aren't going to give a shit, but I am going to be in survival mode because my world has ended. And I want to be ready for that. So instead of panicking, because I'm prepared and my world just crashed, my business went bankrupt or burnt to the ground and my insurance didn't cash the check in time or whatever. And all of a sudden I have no income and yet I'm prepared. Then I'm kind of on a holiday until I open my business back up, do something else. Being prepared is peace of mind. So I could go on and on like I always do. I hope I stayed a little more on subject this time. If you like my show, send me an email. Give me a thumbs up on uh, uh, prepperguy.podbeam.com and uh, thumbs up. Give me a heart. You don't know what it means. Even to a guy like me that's been podcasting three, four, or five years, I don't, I don't even remember. I, I do it for therapy and it just helps me. Uh, get stuff off my mind. And a lot of people, you know, thousands of people download this crazy Mad Mark show, I guess I could say. Um, but, you know, every once in a while, just a heart or a thumbs up or a comment really means a lot to creators because even though I don't do it for ratings and I don't do it to make money and I don't do it for anything other than myself, if every once in a while I can feel in my heart that one people out of those thousands said, thanks, Mark. What you said about nutrition saved my life. I've lost weight. I feel much better. I'm, I'm good for another three or four years. It just every once in a while, a little thumbs up or a heart would be so appreciated because I appreciate you all listening. And that's why I always say thank you. I can't really say that. A lot of times I say thank you because I mean it. You guys are the lifeblood of my crazy show and, and a lot of other ones out there. So if you get anything out of it, um, thumbs up or a heart, whatever it is on uh, Podbean, uh, check me out, prepperguy.com. Got tons of content on there um, just for the prepper that wants to know about the news, wants to know about prepping, wants to know about first aid, wants to know about whatever I got out there. Big government. So a lot of reviews. Um, different prepping products. So there's, there's a lot of stuff there. So shoot over to prepperguy.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. 
You guys all have a great one. Enjoy the apocalypse.